Hello folks, it's Tyler here. I just want to thank all of you who have um, supported us right from the start there. Now we've reached our one year anniversary. Um, you know, expect a lot more effort and, you know, a lot more hard work getting put into this channel because, you know, we want to grow and thrive as much as we can. I hate it! On um, going next year. So yeah, for all you fans that have subscribed to our new iTunes link as well and Facebook and SoundCloud, from the deepest bottom of my heart, thank you. So come on, I need a name that says friendly all-American cooking. How about Chairman Moe's Magic Walk? I like it! Mm, nah, I want something that says people can have a nice, relaxing time. I got it! Madman Moe's Pressure Cooker! I like it! Hey, how about Uncle Moe's Family Feed Bag? Come to Uncle Moe's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Mmm. Sounds good. Hello and welcome to the one year anniversary, the one year birthday of Uncle Mo's Family Feedback, um, where we look through the dizzying highs, the terrifying lows, and the creamy middles of The Simpsons seasons 1 to 12. I am your co-host, Tyler McRae, and with me is my partner in crime, um, the Marge to my Homer. You know, I'm surprised we've had so many episodes now, I'm surprised we're not divorced. But you know, much like the original Marge and Homer, you know, We've got to stay together for the series. Cal Reader, how the hell are you? How do you feel? I'm good, man. I'm really good. It's weird that it's been a year uh, of, of a podcast I accidentally agreed to do. I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's good. It's It, it doesn't feel like a year. This year, you know, has gone really super ridiculously fast because the Matrix is slowly getting switched off and, you know... Follow my second podcast, The Tin Foil Hat, for all your conspiracy needs. But what about yourself, my friend? Um, I'm really happy with how we've um, progressed now. I'll be honest, I had in my head, like, within a year, if we get 250 likes on the Facebook page, folks, if you want to follow that, um, I'd be chuffed. But as it is now, um, we're about three, we're in the 390 range. So I'm really over the moon. And we'll just ignore the fact that this is one year anniversary. It's slightly delayed, but we're here in the flesh and live in colour for you folks now. And ironically, for our first people who've listened to us from the beginning, you may remember um, the audio for myself not being very good. That's purely because I fucked up and unplugged my headphones halfway through, uh, which made the audio crappy. And we had to record it from what was picked up from from Tyler's uh, thing. My laptop has now since died because it was thought, you know what, fuck it, you're going to do this like you did in the old days, my friend. So we're recording it on two phones like a fucking... And surprisingly enough, the quality on the phone is damn near crystal clear. (laughs) So the episode for this one year anniversary we're reviewing today is very much in the namesake of our show, which comes from Bart Sells His Soul. From season seven, episode four, directed by Wes Archer, written by Greg Daniels, with the original air date being October the eighth, nineteen ninety-five, and the couch gag is all the Simpsons family drive around in go karts and give it a little beep. And as always, Cal, do you have initial memories or nostalgia for this episode? I do. The two things what I always remember, and as always, I always get it mixed up with different episodes. I do think this is two different episodes. Um, I, I, the B, A and the B plot are, very, are, are completely different. It does work very well. Um, the Inner Garda de Vida, I can't remember who I was talking about. Was I talking to you about that the other day, or was it someone? Well, it might be someone else. I was actually talking to someone about that that exact song um, maybe a week or so ago. And I was saying about how it's on The Simpsons and Bart makes them all play because it goes on for like 22 minutes. Um, it's overall a good a good thing, video. It's a good episode, even. What about yourself? Well, this, I had good memories of it um, when I was really deep into the DVD buying of all the seasons. And um, season, you know, this season in particular, season seven, really sits well with me. And, you know, spoiler alert, folks, it still holds up and it's still a grand episode. Have you seen, just before we go into the episode, have you seen what I tagged you in yesterday about the composer saying that The Simpsons might finally be coming to an end? Yeah, um, well, I, I guess it's from one person in the staff and it's only one report and I suppose they've got to cover all their bases. I'm still going with the thoughts of 
it's still a very profitable show by Fox. And if Fox won't have it, then Disney will have all the rights. So as much as the carcass is, you know, stripped thin, I still think it will go on. The diff- well, this is it, though. I think you are right. It is So if people haven't read the story, it's the composer. Um, I can't remember his name. Or a composer. Someone in the staff um, got questioned about it. And they said, how long do you think it's going to gonna last? And he went, well, from what I hear, uh, it's 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 gonna last up to the thirtieth year, and then it's gonna it's gonna come to an end. Um, but that's just purely from what I hear in the background. There's nothing nothing concrete. There's nothing concrete about this whatsoever. Um, I disagree in regards to they're gonna keep on kicking the cash cow because if you think about it, with, with the syndication, they'll still make a lot of money from it. Um, there's also rumours about a, n- a new film coming out as well, uh, 2021, 22, which would be good. I think one day maybe we should, as a special, do do The Simpsons movie. I know it's a little bit past our uh, cut-off, but I think it'd be interesting to do. Um, personally, I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to lose anything from, from, from it failing. You know, finally finishing. I think it, arguably it'd be, it should have been finished a long time ago, but there's a reason why we only do seasons one to twelve. But you know, we should see. We'll see what have to happen. How this episode kicks off is we have the whole family, the whole congregation of Springfield at the church, and they're about to lead us through a hymn there um, in the Garden of Eden by Iron Butterfly, and um, this is not your typical hymn particularly because it's a lot more, you know, rock opera. And it goes on for, what, 15, 18 minutes, Cal? I mean, what you were talking about it recently or like a few weeks ago. Tell us about Inagada de Vida. So Inagada de Vida is a psychedelic song from the 70s by Iron Butterfly. Iron Butterfly. Um, I believe the guy, I might risk making this up, getting it mixed up with the guy who goes fire. Um I believe he's from England, uh, but it goes on seriously for... There's different cuts of it. The one what they sing is 18 uh, minutes. It's at uh, the one... There is one that goes on for 22 minutes, and it's just this really, really weird... Kind of, It just goes down, and then it goes back up again, and up and down, and it, it's an epic of a tune, um, to say the least. The I'm looking... Oh wait, hang on. The title track is album version is seventeen minutes and five seconds. All right, that's what Barbara uh, went with. Yeah, so it's, the album is seventeen minutes. The actual, uh, sorry, that song's seventeen minutes. The album itself is only thirty six minutes. <laughs> oh <laughs> two my god, what a slog! <laughs> I mean, like, I really enjoy Purple Rain, but that original version goes on for like nine minutes i mean i'm i mean i think i've said it not on the podcast but i believe you know films uh they don't need to go over two hours but you know that's just me humble opinion i think with songs i mean what more do you need to get across in like over five minutes exactly well arguably uh it's like on um what's it called the fucking the queen track the uh Beaming Rhapsody. Yeah. How did I forget that? Um, that and Sorcy goes on for like, what, six minutes, seven minutes? And you said mm. no one's going to listen to a song for seven minutes. Um, I agree. Like, with the new film, what's just not long come out. The Irishman um, on Netflix. Yes. Now. The, the, it is. I've not seen it. Um, I mean, it's it's a long film, apparently. Because um, it's about it's three and a half hours, I think. Um, yeah. Someone's worked out. How you can watch it as a mini series. I've got that saved, yeah. Cal. That is a lifesaver. Yeah, and I think I don't know. I, I don't know. I might just watch it in, in parts. So. But it is. I think it's just kind of our public consciousness since like the MTV phase and generation, all that stuff. Our attention span has gone way, way down. Look at fucking the likes of Vine. Well, Vine Rip and TikTok, TikTok and now. stuff like that. But they finish. Um... Iron butterflies in a Gata de Vida. And, you know, the woman playing the organ just passes out. And Reverend Lovejoy's had enough of this. You know, one of you is responsible there. So he starts to guilt the kids by, you know, doing a little chant or a 
you know, confession of, you know, if I'm found guilty, I'll drink not but burning hot cola and eat nothing but burning hot coals. And all the kids are scared, apart from Bart, he knows this is all bullshit. So as punishment, they um, clear out the organs for blaspheming it with their popular music. So um, Bart really gets on to Milhouse for being a snitch and, you know, how can you say that when there is no soul? But Milhouse is adamant, you know, it's so versatile. You know, it comes out your nose when you die and it flies away. You know, even if you're in a submarine, it can swim. And if it's in the desert, it can move because, you know, it's got wheels. They write really well, like how, you know, kids logic, how all this stuff would work. Yeah, exactly. It's, 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 it's the quick, you know, quick answer of like, no, they can do that. They can do it. It's fine. So uh, in, a, in a way of sort of proving Bart wrong, oh, um, you know, why don't you sell me your soul? And the basis of this episode, the um, head writer or head producer for this particular episode, Greg Daniels, you people might know him as, you know, the main producer and runner of uh, King of the Hill. And the voice of Hank Hill, did you know? I do, yeah. he um, He's the guy who did Beavis and Butthead as well. Yes, yes he is. Um, and he used to, well he did once a couple of times in his high school, um, prey on the sort of thick bullies and say, oh, sell me yourself for five cents. And then he used to wind them up about have, well, not having a soul and then sell it back for an inflated price. So it's amazing how this has come from reality itself and I like that own little story gets to get um weaved through this episode and you know it was used personally in um daniel's life so bart sells millhouse's soul and then we get on to the b plot of this episode and soon to become the um name of this here great podcast folks we have a uh, doc tibbet in the car with his family saying oh where would you like to go and they're naming all these you know false um named family restaurants and God, Cal, can you re- even remember that final one? You know, DJ Cornucopia's something, something American Sacred. All right, where would you kids like to eat tonight? The Spaghetti Laboratory. They stuffers. Professor BJ Cornucopia's fantastic food magorium and Great American Steakery. <laughs> well, what about this place? Moe's. But then they end up stopping by and they see a little place. It's uh, Moe's. And they end up barging through the bar door and, you know, it's... Well, they say it later, it is a dank pit there and mistaking it for family restaurant, but they go away when they realise the place smells like Tinkle. But this gives Mo an idea, you know, oh, you know, people aren't, um, they're not really liking hanging out in a dank pit no more. Oh, you're not thinking of getting rid of the dank, Mo? Um, Just think of the dank. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've seen this replaced a lot with, um, you know, that weed humour and that, with... Um, <laughs> With Carl having a big fat doobie in his mouth and all the weed plants and all the meme <laughs> culture there. I do get that reference a lot with all my um, you know, uh, leisurely friends, shall we say. But Moe's spurred on, you know, he's got an idea, you know, he's going to make this a pride, proud place for families, you know. And the episode, uh, Moe decides to weather spoons her eyes. <laughs> oh yeah, I never really thought of it like that. Oh, that's great. If you think, like, what about, is, is there any purpose local to you, what used to be complete dives, and it were, the charm of it was the fact that it had it was, it was just a dive, and then it got Weatherspoons arise. Not turned into a Weatherspoons per se, but... Cleaned up. Kind of, yeah. Oh, I and can't their, say I have. Uh, we still have dive pubs today, and the diviest of dive, there was one called the Corinthians, that had to get shut down because essentially... um. They got behind on the payments and people started shooting up in the pub. Heron folks, oh, not with a Gatling gun. Yeah, um, <laughs> but that's my ends. Um, what about yourself? I mean, I'm sure you've got a whole hotbed to choose from. Oh, you decide. You, okay, you're shitting on Sheffield, <laughs> but you decided to come here. You decided to move here, my friend. Um, but funny you should say that. There was So the graduate was notoriously... A bit of a dive, oh. um, which is a pub near. I, I think you've drunk there before. I think we've drunk there yes. before. To be, yeah, we have. Yeah, we did several times. Um, that used to be the floors used to be sticky. They used to have sold the food and dog food, dog bowls, which were like the gimmick. But it all the booze were really, really cheap, and then it got it. It didn't get closed down, but the Weatherspoons arised it, and it's not been the same. It's the first place I I underage drunk. Um, I was 16 at the time, 
or 15 and me and my friend were walking around town because what we used to do because we were um they weren't they, they were not to do to be fair uh we would just walk around town just chat maybe get a coffee or something and just, just do loops around the town center um and we walked past the uh the graduate and my brother's outside having a fag who's 10 years older than me he um shouts me over gets us in and says oh do you want a pint blah 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 i was like yeah okay and my brother when i was younger he said so he'd show off and he'd, he'd tell his old like war war stories so like you know when he was doing drugs or or drinking or whatever and the guy i was with was um quite religious still kind of is i believe and my brother goes off to go for a piss or get another drink or whatever and he turns to me and he goes don't you realise, reader, uh, drugs are illegal? I looked him straight in the <laughs> eye and I went, it says underage drinking, but you don't have an issue with that, do you, my friend? He was like, yeah, Ooh. okay, good point. But yeah, there's a few there's, there's a few dyes that have been kind of done up a bit. Um, fat Cat. Oh. Uh, I never really went in there. What was it? Devonshire Cat as well. My my good friend Gordon Ramsay. Uh, oh yes, of course. That place, which for those who don't know, I do actually know somebody called Gordon Ramsay, the Gordon Ramsay. Uh, so what does Bart do with his five bucks he's um, got from his soul? He spends them on dino sponges, because of course you do when you're ten years old. But he has this great fantasy sequence where he thinks, oh, if he gets them wet, they'll turn into genuine T-Rex size and come alive and drip funny smelling water all over Lisa. But in reality, just squirts it a bit i don't even think it becomes double the size and with all the residue it sort of wipes away and goes down in the gutter um i'll say i've had buyer's remorse a lo- quite a few times when i was like 10 11 and mine always seemed to be with like those aliens used to stick on the wall you yeah. used to get horrible cheap poundland ones and they would not stick and very much of like ah i wasted a quid on these <laughs> i can resonate with Bart. the ones that used to give birth and stuff like that yes Yes, you got it. I used to get those things. They are, they were shit. Like, obviously, I've got a, I've got a niece now, and the adverts when we were watching kids TV, and the adverts where it's just like, oh, new and approved, and it's the exact same tripe they used to try to sell us, the exact oh, same yeah. tripe they sold my sister and brother ten years previously, <laughs> um, the exact same tripe they tried to sell my parents when they were young. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it doesn't work. Someone at work bought the granddaughter a Barbie. Which cost seventy nine pounds. Oh my god! And the main difference from the lower one was it was in a different dress, and that was a queen rather than a princess. One. So it's literally like that Simpsons episode. Oh, she's got a new hat. Yeah, basically. I want it. I want it. But um, Lisa wants to know, oh, where did you get this five bucks from? And he, Bart admits he sold his soul, and Lisa's got a big gripe about this, you know, because the soul's truly eternal, and if you give that way, then are you really human? You, Millhouse could own you for a zillion years, but Bart's. Very blasé, saying, oh, if you thought you had a good deal, give him a, you know, self-consciousness for twelve fifty, two fifty, or chuck him a sense of decency as well, and he's having a lot of fun with it. But, now this is where it gets, um, I don't know about you, Cal, but this episode gets really, and obviously you're going to when you talk about, not even religion, but spirituality, but I feel it gets a bit supernatural even, like, I'll, I'll make some references to Twin Peaks a lot later, but, what did you think of now Bart's and uh, people's reactions to him having no soul? You know, the cat sort of screeching at him and later on when he's in the dark side of Springfield trying to look for a soul. What What did you think of, like, the themes and the sort of uh, how it got played here? I think it is good. It, it kind of, it's it's sort of, because obviously nobody really knows what what it is, what soul is, if it does exist. Um and it's it's how how do you kind of sell it a little bit with the whole, you know he doesn't he doesn't know how to can't. he can't open a, a, a like open a door and stuff like that and he can't breathe onto onto uh, things like that I think it's the subtlety of that where it, it it's really interesting and it kind of doesn't rely on it being an over overly religious thing it's more just you know a functioning part of their body what controls make sure we're not just a brain in the skeleton kind of thing it's not a religious episode it's definitely more a spiritual and a being sort of episode i've read up on the wikipedia that 
in 2005 through many reports through Ofsted, the sort of British governing body of schools, uh, a lot of teachers have cited that they use this episode in their RE, their religious studies lessons, to talk about spirituality and the soul itself. So it must be in that high standards, Cal, and I think they do a very good job here. They don't lean to religion. They make it more open and, like you say, you're not just matter. You think, therefore, you are. And I think it it's just a great understanding of it, and I think it's you know commendable that they still use this in schools. In fact, I was very much shown this episode in an RE lesson, so it's as factual as that. As a way of saying thank you for our loyal fans for the continued support, we allowed a couple of them uh, to guest feature on this and to see what they thought about this particular episode. And here's uh, Robin Taylor Wright from Simpsons Bought Post and, and his thoughts. I adore this episode. It's the source of so many uh, memes that are happening right now. Um, I help run the site Simpsons Board Posting. And I would say even from a creative standpoint that this episode has provided so much uh, <laughs> uh, material to work with. Um, some of the stuff I love most, my favorite jokes are just so weird. It's so season seven. You have uh, Professor PJ Cornucopia's Phantasmophutagorium and Great American Steakery. You have Sanjay to the entrance of the Windex. Um, Homeburn saying, run for your life with a mouthful of uh, spaghetti and mobiles. And Snake's girlfriend being named Shoshana. I love how they just chose that name. I don't know if that's significant at all. Like, not, come on, baby, let's go. But it's just, <laughs> so I love that. My favorite line is uh, a 10-year-old boy saying, I'm familiar with the works of Pablo Neruda. And so the things that I really appreciate about this episode is not only is it a mix between a quest and a redemption story for Bart, but it's also a very, I'd say, sober look at spirituality without it being a black and white thing, especially with Lisa. I just love how her character comes across in this episode. I mean, Lisa's character is so nuanced. It's a testament to how the writers took her so seriously as a well-rounded character uh, before people started, you know, hating on her, like, oh, she's too liberal, or whatever that means. I mean, people are always afraid of a intelligent and confident young woman, but she approaches it as in not, you know, well, whether or not the soul is real, it just means that you're selling out, Bart, you know, and and it's how we all look at a spirit, how spirituality affects us, or what our soul is, are, are you selling your soul, and that sort of thing, and I think it goes beyond that sort of, you know, judeo-christian view of the soul which is so uh you know present in american culture uh so i would say that you know the creators of the show also don't say well a uh, soul is physically real because they don't imply any supernatural aspect they're very critical of the church uh and bart's dreams are his own and you know about losing his soul and as well as his uh lack of soul misfortune misfortunes they could just be attributed to bad luck so that's what i love about this episode it does it's very complex um i'd say the only uh problem i have with the episode is that plot a and b uncle moe's family feedback they don't exactly come together the way i want them to uh, especially when you boil it down to bart's want like what is his quest he wants a soul back and he just sets off into the night after running away from his spaghetti and mole balls but that's the only time the two paths cross and I also love uh, this, the steamroller scene. He just starts laughing and then crashes down the subway. I love it. Also, how did Mo afford all this stuff? Did he take out a huge loan? And I would like to see the repercussions of that because that commercial is top rate. We have, we're back at Mo's now and he's busy trying to think of a name for his restaurant. He's trying to think of a gimmick, much like your, your TGI Fridays and your Garfunkels and all that. And... Um, <laughs> I love the aesthetic here, you know, you get to see Mo in a different costume, Homer's just some, he's just smirking dumbly, coming up with these horrible names, Chairman Mo's Magic Walk, Madman Mo's Pressure Cooker, and Barney underneath the tarp, probably I drinking... I like it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie, he's probably drinking the paint stripper and the turps and that, but... <laughs> um, speaking of names and this podcast... Um, were you happy with our name initially, Cal? Because I don't, I'm not going to lie, I don't think you, <laughs> I don't think I actually gave it to you as a suggestion. I think I just said, oh, Uncle Moe's, and do you want to be on it? I kind of, I have a tendency of agreeing to things when I'm a little bit um, abbreviated, sure, it's not abbreviated, but 
I'm abbreviated now, so who cares? <laughs> anyway, um, kind of either forgetting that I'm going to do it or, you know, overall just not remembering at all that I agreed to do it or remember something completely different. And this is what kind of happened with this. I kind of drunkenly... It, it, I was talking to one of my friends about it as well, not just this podcast, but we once went out on a night out and we agreed about doing 700 different things and then he was just like... You know, I really enjoyed last night. It was really good. Like, we should do it again sometimes. Like, yeah, no, yeah, it was good. It's like, yeah, are we still going to do the double date with um, me, my then girlfriend, and his girlfriend? And I was like, ah, yeah, yeah, I guess. And he still brings it up. We were going to go on holiday. We were supposed to be going now going on holiday next year. And he brought it up the other day. And I was just like, well, I don't really think we can do all of them. He was like, well, what do you mean? I was like, well, I'm not really going to get my ex-girlfriend to come on a double date with you and your current girlfriend because we agreed to it like over over six months ago but with this podcast you kind of just forced the name down i didn't even know what his name till probably episode three if i'm honest yeah yeah um no i'm joking the name the name it's good it is a good name it has grown on me i did think it was a little bit too long um and for some reason i had it in my head that it was from flaming moe's not uh I thought it was just the same episode kind of thing, um, but yeah. What do you do? You have any regrets about the name? Do you think? No, I think that was the strongest uh, name and branding I could come up with. Honestly, I just like the fact, um, and we'll get to it. I liked Mo's advert for the restaurant, and I thought, oh, that's mm. an easy jingle to use, and the names fits fairly well as well. So um, it was just sort of a great marriage overall. There's my advice. Uh, there's my advice as well, folks. If you want to get Carl anything to do anything, get him a, in a drunken stupor and then just chase him up on it. But that's it. That's exactly it. I live by the Mark Twain way of life, where if, <laughs> if you agree to do something when you're pissed, make sure you do it because you won't you won't agree to any doing it again when you're when you are pissed. <laughs> I was looking at put it in H, but that's an Irish Simpsons podcast in itself, and please go and check that out, folks. It's a good crack, as they say. Um, I wasn't really thinking of like meme sort of names. I was thinking something solid, uh, but something that you can maybe, maybe, I don't know, move away from Simpsons or, you know, you know, fingers crossed if this grows and grows and grows, we can do Patreon and then extra sort of reviews on other animated series or other sitcom series and just say, oh, this is a family feedback or this is an Uncle Mo's review. And, you know, it can be universal. So we couldn't really have anything like Homer in. So, you know, ter- like you say, Cal, the tertiary characters are what make up a series and Moe's definitely a solid one. And, you know, Moe's universal. We have Bart. He's not laughing at Itchy and Scratchy. He's not laughing at Homer contrivedly falling into the stairwell and getting bit on the butt by Santa's little helper. So he fears he may have lost his soul for real. So, you know, rushes to Milhouse's house and... um he needs to see him, but he's playing around the back with his army men and a slip of paper. And uh, it turns out Milhouse is doing just that. Um, oh, God. I'll talk about Milhouse being a dweeb and that, but sort of how he's getting that intensely into playing army and the noises of the gun, like, um, and his laugh right at the end. He's very, oh, God, and I don't want to say anything harmful, but he seems educationally sub normal he seems uh special retarded yeah thanks Carl. <laughs> <laughs> i think he's just kind of lost with the power of it more than anything i don't think he's retarded or you know or anything or anything else in regards to that i think he's just kind of then he, he'll, he'll obviously know the control of what he's what he's got over um bart at the moment and it's just kind of driving him a little bit more insane I'm going after Bart's soul. If the Ayatollah can't have it, no one can. But, uh, you know, Milhouse. Yes? Maybe you're getting tired of that soul, huh? No. Suppose someone wanted to buy it from you. Oh, you want to buy it back, Bart? Sure, no problem. Fifty bucks. What? Who's stupid now, huh? <laughs> but we have Milhouse. He's preparing to give Bart his soul back, but for fifty bucks, and he does a little goofy laugh, and 
But he can't do anything else. He's lost. So he just runs away, hoping um, to raise 50 bucks or get his soul back in another way. And now we get the fabled advert in which we got this perfect name for this perfect podcast. And I'll I'll stick in the the whole advert here, folks, because it's just fantastic. If you like good food, good fun, and a whole lot of crazy crap on the walls, then come on down to Uncle Mo's Family Feed Bag. At Mo's, we serve good old-fashioned home cooking, deep-fried to perfection. Now that's Mo Like It. So bring the whole family, mom, dad, kids, and no old people. They're not covered by our insurance. It's fun. And remember our guarantee. If I'm not smiling when your check comes, your meal's on me, Uncle Mo. Come to Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Mmm, sounds good. Bart's um, getting put to bed by Marge, and I've, I found this really cute and in character with Marge saying, oh, something seems off. I've got to hug you to sort of work it out, you know. Oh, it's not nuclear fallout. It's not swim test anxiety. You know, both ends of the spectrum you've got to get in. It's almost like you don't have a soul. Well, Bart jumps in saying, oh, is it like I don't have a soul? Oh, honey, I don't think you're a monster. Great delivery and then shuts the light off. And we get to... It gets really twilight zone It gets really twin peaks. Bart's in some sort of hallucinative dream where... I mean, in theory, these dead kids, you can see their spirits and they're all playing with each other and having fun. And like, Cal, this is the Simpsons there really gets creepy or I wouldn't say disturbing, I'll say unsettling. But I really enjoyed it. I found it really engaging and uh, really fitting. What about yourself? Oh, yeah, I 100% agree. I think it's very. Um, it. Like I said, it's not religious it's at all. It is it, it, is pure. It's purely just kind of like your your soul helps you along with stuff, and it's just interesting. It, it's it the whole kind of how you know they're just going to the other side. I guess it is kind of religious because they're on the lake and going to the other side to like the Emerald City kind of thing, and it just doesn't. You know, he can't. Bart can't do it with just by himself he needs that little bit of help it don't work out i think i've said what i need to say it's um haunting but it um just plays perfectly into the fact that bart's now alone and he's realized the importance of having a soul in his own being there he's gone through the crisis and now he needs to get his soul back there i think it's a great send-up we have the family um visiting uncle mo's family feedback there most happy to see them. Homer's saying, oh, he even knows my name. And Marge is, uh, you know, taken back by all the crap on the walls. Very much Phoenix Knights, you know. Someone to tell me why we've got a bike on the wall. Why have we got a crocodile wearing shades? You know, oh, it's the theme. What's the theme? Hiroshima. Old shite. We have Mo. Uh, he's on his best behaviour for now. And, you know, he's so involved with, you know, the business itself that He's even part of the million-dollar birthday fries that um, Todd orders. And he comes out. I love his routine here. And I've got a story about um, working within a pub bistro place. We used to have... Um, used to work in a Hungry Horse pub. And they used to have, like, sizzler dishes, which comes on a big sort of black metal griddle pan, and it's sizzling, and it's... You know, it's great to look at, but the taste is, you know, so-so. But every single time, I'd stick it down, you know, it's in sort of a big wooden plate and within it sits the black griddle i'd say now careful it's extremely hot don't touch it for about five minutes oh but what does barry and donna do oh my fucking finger i fucking told you god you big butt every single time but um do you have any experience with pubs or bistros or i mean you've told me many many times about retail horrible retail experiences which we'll get into later but anything to do with food um not so much. Uh, no, not not really in in regards to like sensitive things. When when I was in Costa, basically I had calluses on my hand to the point where I could just touch boiling hot things and it's fine. My hands have since healed, which is really weird. Um, that I can't pick up hot things anymore. Um, but yeah, so what 
I don't know, there was one time, this is kind of, when I used to work in the bistro after Costa, um, and I'll not name it because it was it it was not a good place to work. She she was just a Nazi who I worked with, um, and one of the women who came in there was a man and a woman who came in, and they ordered granola and and something else, and we sat in the most awkward spot to sit into, where it was behind someone else behind the bar, and you couldn't get over to him, somewhere in the way. So I gave like the spoon for the granola to the woman. And then I fought for the breakfast to the man, purely because I had the woman was sat on the left. I had the spoon in my left hand and thing in the right hand. Anyway, they all it was in a very middle class area as well. I forgot to say that at the beginning. And they get up, come come to the bar to beg. Used to pay afterwards, and they'd be going, "Oh, how, you know, how was it, guys? Did you enjoy it?" It's like, yeah, yeah, no, it was really nice. But one thing, one 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 thing I'd like to make. Uh, quote though, I was like, oh yeah, what's up? And she went, well, I found it really interesting that you thought, because I'm a woman, I was the one who was having a granola, but it was my cook soy boy of a boyfriend who was actually having... Oh, wow. Well, she didn't say the cook soy boy, but obviously. Um, and I thought it was quite sexist that you thought, as soon because I'm a woman, I was having a granola. And firstly, I didn't know that she was a woman until she started speaking to me. The second time, the second thing is... I I just went. It weren't that. It was literally. I just had, you were sat in the most awkward place. I gave you what was in my hands, and then when I asked, you know, it's a spoon and a fucking knife and fork. That's all it is. You prick. Like, calm down. And she was just like, mm, yes, yes. Oh, oh, is that what you're saying? Right. Okay. That's an interesting study of it. Get over yourself. Wow. Like, Jesus Christ. Everyone should work in either retail or the food industry for at least a year. Just to see how crazy and weird people actually are. I once got called a cunt for, and I don't know if you're gonna mute that, but the c word, if not, because I wish somebody a happy, happy day, have a good day. Like people are fucking nuts. And now his recurring guest, an esports analyst, Ellis Celia, with her thoughts and views on this episode. I've really loved watching the podcast grow over the past year. It's been really nice to kind of see the ups and the downs, and it's been really nice to kind of see um, everybody improving as hosts, co-hosts, guests, um, highlighting all the ups and downs. In terms of the episode Bart Sells a Soul, um, it was a very pivotal episode for me as a child. Uh, obviously, as as a child, you don't really kind of think about religion or the idea of a soul or anything like that. You don't know what's true and what's not true. So the whole idea of everything kind of falling down on him for not having a soul or anything like that really kind of it really made me think a lot as a child. Um, it was quite a dark episode. Um, obviously, the subplot of Uncle Mo's family feeder bag was was one of the more memorable moments alongside the Alf Pogs. But I think overall I'd probably give the episode a 7 or an 8 out of 10. I mean, it's been one of the more solid episodes that we've had to review and that has been released in the earlier years. We have Mo, um, you know, getting assaulted by Ralph with a squirt gun there. You know, what are you doing, you little freak? And um, he goes, oh no, that was fine, you know, robbing me of my dignity again. I'm sure that happens to a lot of people in retail. You know, they're the silent type that all these, you know, worked up or frustrated kids and parents can just attack and all they can do is smile. I really resonate with Mo here. Bart runs out, but um, Homer's quick to act, you know, oh, Bart, you forgot your spaghetti and mobiles. And in his head, like a lot of good scenes, quiet, you fool, can be ours. And great uh, food acting on Danny. Run, boy! Run! Run! I can't take this anymore! I want my soul, and I want it now! Bart, you didn't finish your spaghetti and mobiles! Silence, you fool. It can be ours. Run, boy! Run! Run for your life! Boy! We have Bart, um, you know, banging on my house's door saying, All right, you win. You know, I cave in. Just please give me my soul. And then this odd spaceman-looking figure comes out, so, you know, in an eerie voice, you know, the one you call Millhouse is no longer here. But it turns out it's just innocently um, spraying for stink beetles or spraying for potato bugs, and he's gone to his grand's house. Now, I really liked the framing, and again, Silverman's done a great job here, the animation. 
I got big Kubrick vibes here, Cal. Definitely. What with the camera of Bart and then this eerie, odd figure there. And yeah, just seeing Bart's reflection in the helmet there. Oh, it was fantastic. It really adds to the um, the ominous and the eeriness of this whole episode there. Oh yeah, 100%. Bart is busy running off to Capital City to find Millhouse again. But we have um, Mo. you know, the mask is starting to slip even more and more. He finally snaps when... This poor innocent girl says, um, My sorry is to call my teeth hurt. Ah, oh, your teeth hurt, huh? Your teeth hurt? Well, that's too freaking bad! You hear me? I'll tell you where you can put your freaking sodi too! Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, my freaking ears! <gasps> oh, let's go, dear. Well, I expect that type of language at Denny's, but not here! I've not had a outburst as bad as that. Um, you know, I've... I've swore not necessarily swore at a customer one guy was just absolutely going fucking batshit insane and he was just going you're taking a piss you're taking a fucking piss now and I went I'm not taking a piss you know trying to help you you're just you, you're just freaking out like if you can if you don't calm down I'm not going to serve you anymore and I'd not long become a supervisor so I didn't want to kick him out even though I was completely in my right to do so but I was ready to just throw my apron down and just call this guy a cunt and end it there um and the guy behind him started shouting at him, saying, don't talk to him like that. And he goes, he's got nothing to do with you. And then, yeah, but he can't say anything back because he'll get in trouble. But I can say it. You're acting like a fucking prick. You're showing yourself up and you're nothing more than a bully. And he just walked away. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah. The best one, for some reason, it was mainly just like, you get taught to shit for so long to the point where you just kind of, you get done with them. you just like, oh, fuck it, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say something under my breath and just get rid of this guy. And he, for the news, something came in the newspaper where it basically said, like, there was more sugar in our chai powder uh, than daily allowance, but Starbucks is a lot worse. Um, but people saw that as there was more than your daily allowance of sugar in your coffee. And it, it for some reason, it was completely misquoted. We obviously don't know. We just get told, you know, go on the website or, like, I don't know. I can't comment on it. And everyone will be like, mm, yeah, all right. You get one or two people saying it, and there's one guy come up and, you know how much sugar's in your coffee? You know, well, we can't mention it. Well, don't you think, because right as a customer, we should know it should be up there how much sugar's in your coffees. I went, there's no sugar in, in the coffee other than the sugar you put in extra into it. But we didn't know. I didn't know. I don't, we make the coffee, but people who work at the store, we don't make the coffee, if you know what I mean. We don't know what goes in until it gets later. You know, and he goes, well, well, if you had arsenic, if you put arsenic in the uh, in the coffees, would you tell customers then? And when I would, sir, but for you, I'd make an exception. Who's next, please? And carry on. Oh, Jesus! Yeah, we will have Bart in Capital City trying to find Millhouse, and um, we get a great scene with um, Chief Wiggum and Ralph is with him for some reason because I guess. Um, they stormed off from Uncle Moe's. They were seen eating in there. And, oh, why not? I'm on shift as well. I might as well. And Wiggum tries to stop this homeless derelict. And this is great. Um, Dan Castellanet is playing the homeless person as well, Cal. And just the accuracy of the shouting and the manic energy he gives to this. Um, this is one of my favourite scenes in all of this, Cal. It's just so inherently funny this is he's got little snippets of what he's trying to say yeah one of the things he says is hitchcock stole all my ideas son you wait here while daddy tries to talk some sense into this raven derelict did you ever read the uh, the old curiosity shop but it is uh John Gilgood? Oh, it's just fantastic. This is this is Wiggum just being like, huh. Who stole your ideas? But we have Bart sneaking into the cop car. He you know, gives a proposition to Ralph. Hey, Ralph, how do I like to make a quick buck? You know, just write your name on a piece of paper and say that I own your soul. And Bart's getting, um, I mean, he's getting desperate. Manic. You get, yes, manic. You're right. You get to see the bags under his eyes. There's great detail in that. The desperation in his voice. And he almost goes for Ralph, but you get a quick, 
flash of a torchlight from Wiggum and it's really cool. You get to see a little cat, he's like, <laughs> and he runs off into the steam of the night through the drains. And yeah, um, this is very David Lynch. It's got very big tweet Twin Peaks vibe. I was surprised then Wigan wasn't eating a big brie sandwich, you know, like um, one of the Lawn brothers. Moe's, um, he's packed it all in with Uncle Moe's. He's now back to good old just Moe's bar. He's saying, oh, get rid of everything. It's too many bad memories. And Barney said, oh, well, you've got rid of that, but at least you got us. Oh, you know what, Barn? That makes me a lot better. And Homer is that um, grim bit of reality still in here. Much like Peep Show, you know, do you have to live so relentlessly in the real world, Homer? And I'll add in this whole scene there, but he, I mean, he's just hitting him with facts, Cal. As horrible and as at a time that Mo doesn't want to hear it. Oh, this is again amazing. I'm going to keep waxing lyrical about this, but this was another great scene. Gotta take it all, get it all out of here. You know, Mo, you might want to keep the fire extinguishers. Nah, too many bad memories. Well, look at the bright side, Mo. You still got us. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that, that actually makes me feel a little better. Why? That was a problem in the first place. You were going broke because we were your only customers. Wasn't that the problem in the first place? That you were going broke? Mo? Mo? Hey, Mo? Oh, you're thinking about all the money you blew, aren't you? What was it? Fifty? Sixty thousand dollars? Mo? Look, maybe it would help if you went over all the mistakes you made from the beginning. Mo? What? Let me get a pad. We have Bart. Um, we f he finally finds Milhouse's grandma's house and asks him, look, I'm desperate and begging you, give me back my soul. Oh, but I can't, you know, uh, sold your soul for Pogs. Do you remember Alf? He's in Pog for him now. Now, I think that in itself is an underrated mean. I've seen it on a lot on, you know, bought posting and shit posting Facebook pages. Um, it'll be like a different celebrity or just some sort of dead meme in these uh, Pogs there. Um, I never really had Pogs myself. I can't think of any other sort of gimmicky toys that I can relate to. What about yourself, Carl? What did you think of uh, Alf being back in park form? Uh, yeah, definitely. Like, I, I, I remember. Not we had Pogs, but it was purely it was just kind of like hand-me-down toys from my my sister. I never understood them. I don't, I don't, I don't get what you really do with them. Like, I think they're just more collectibles than anything else. But we, you know, we we. What did we have? I don't, I was never really into um Pokemon or like that. Uh, Jackie Chan Adventures, Talismans. We used to have play. Never done that. Not really. Not gimmicky toys. Oh, those weird little. They were like rubber. Other other than like the alien things, um, what we were discussing earlier. The weird little. They were like weird balls made out of like rubber and they had liquid inside of them. You could like if you press them at one point. It'd like go really bulbous on the other point and whatever. And these have like a you put a ring around your finger and you just be able to like. Oh yeah, and they stopped him because someone like died and choked on him. Bart's soul has been sold yet again, and um, Bart's literally on his hands and knees. He's back at home, praying to God this time, saying some creeps got my soul, and I don't know how I'll get it back. But then, almost like divine intervention, Bart's soul on that bit of paper falls into his hands, and it turns out. Lisa bought it out of kindness, and she even, uh, I think this is great writing in itself, she says, you know what, people don't really say that, you know, you're born with a soul, some people believe that, you know, through f uh, fight and struggle and pain that you earn a soul like you've done right here, but Bart's doesn't want to hear any of this, he's just happy to have it back, literally consumes his own soul again and he's happy. I mean, what did you think of this? I found this very apt. I thought this was beautiful writing. Yeah, definitely. I think I always, I, I always have a tendency of complaining about the endings of the episodes and don't really know how to end them. It kind of falls through on the third act. I, I, I'll be honest. I don't really see an issue with it. I think it's a very quaint, like you said, nice ending. Yeah, Bart's resting easy. He dreams, and he's back in that surreal sort of purgatory world with his own soul. And there's a sort of a get me back. He spots Martin and his soul and barges him out of the way. And then he's on to the promised land. And that's how we end this episode, folks. What did you think on the whole cow? Uh, and I guess we'll get on to uh, your rating as well. 
on the whole, does it hold up? Uh, please let us know on this great anniversary episode. Definitely, I think it's 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 definitely a fantastic episode. It's it's kind of very underrated and forget and rememberable um, ones, such as you know, obviously Hank uh, Scorpio and you know Frank Grimes and, and, and stuff like that. It's, it's definitely a very underrated episode because it's so strong. Um, like you said, overall the series is strong in itself. Um, you know, both A and B plot work perfectly fine. You know, Marge is kind of underplayed in it a little bit, but she tends to be anyway. Um, it, overall, an enjoyable episode, really. I think I'd probably give it a 4.5 souls out of 5. All right, for me, apart from the minor nitpick of comic book guy and if he knows Bart, I can't give any sort of negative real treat with this. I think every character on screen is perfectly timed and has got the perfect uh, wording. Uh, the Both stories are really strong. They don't do a lot of, I don't know, struggling episodes. You don't really get to get into the eerie and the realness of it. Uh, to, for me, honestly, this is my top five ever of uh, Simpsons episodes. It battles in between a few others, but it's easily in my top five there. Um, yeah, this is truly a great episode that, like you say, is very underrated. Not a lot of people talk about this and the importance of it. So for that, I'm going to give it a whole five out of five uh, Alf Pogs. Ooh. And as always, uh, thank you for joining this first birthday uh, of Uncle Mo's family feedback, folks. And as always, the tradition... Uh, we will move on to next week and give a little tug on that random episode generator. Cal, can you give us a special first birthday uh, generator noise, please? I can't be asked to do the full song. Get ready to sail the seven seas and serve your man, because we're going season nine with Simpsons Tide. Don't forget to like our Facebook, SoundCloud, and brand new on iTunes. Just search Uncle Mo's Family Feedback Podcast, and you'll be able to listen and support to your heart's content. Take care, folks. Come to Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Uncle Mo's for family fun.